Good morning. Happy Sabbath. You are listening to Eyes on Prophecy here on the WSLM Radio Ministry Podcast. I am your teacher of the day, Pastor Vince. Actually, the Holy Spirit is our teacher. He is just going to be speaking through me once again today to share more of this Bible prophecy lesson with you. So thank you for joining us once again here on the podcast for Eyes on Prophecy. As you know, if you've been studying with us for quite some time, you know that we meet every Sabbath morning, which is every Saturday morning at 7 o'clock a.m. Eastern Time. And if this is your first time, someone told you about us or somehow you learned about this podcast, you learned about this program, this is the time that we meet every Sabbath morning, which is every Saturday morning at 7 o'clock a.m. Eastern Time. Once again, the program is called Eyes on Prophecy. We are in the midst of a brand new lesson. Uh, Today is going to be part two of the lesson study that we started last week. The lesson study is called Right on Time, uh, Prophetic Appointments Revealed. And we covered some of the material last week, and we're going to continue by God's grace today, moving through this lesson study. I anticipate we will be in this particular lesson study after today, probably for another couple of weeks-ish. We'll see how the Holy Spirit moves us through this lesson, but I encourage you to go ahead and grab your Bible if you have not already grabbed your Bible, and when you do grab your Bible, please turn in your Bible to uh, Daniel chapter 8, because we're going to be moving through uh, Daniel chapter 8 and 9. This particular lesson study is basically focusing on Daniel chapter 8 and chapter 9. Last week when we studied together... I encouraged everyone to start reading uh, Daniel chapter 7, I'm sorry, Daniel chapter 8 and 9. Start reading those two uh, chapters, chapter 8 and chapter 9. So if you have not already started reading chapter 8, I don't know where you are, uh, I don't know where you are in your reading, but please go ahead and start reading chapter 8, making your way through chapter 9 as well, because Once you do that, you'll have a clearer understanding of what we're going to cover in this particular lesson study for another couple weeks or so. If this is your first time joining us for this particular lesson study, please scroll back to last week's lesson study, our, our, our part one of this particular lesson study. And uh, as I said, we're going to get into part two today. Before we go any further, let us have a word of prayer And then I'll give us a quick recap, a quick uh, review of what we went over last week. Let us pray. Loving Father, thank you so much once again that we could come together for another Eyes on Prophecy lesson study. Please continue to teach us, to show us what we need to know, prepare our hearts and minds to receive your study um, today, uh, uh, to receive your word today. Uh, prepare our hearts and minds to receive what you have to teach us today from your word. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Okay, friend, let's go ahead and let's just take a quick look back at what we went over last week. I'm not going to go as deeply into what we've already covered. You can go back and listen to last week's episode of Eyes on Prophecy to get a deeper uh, understanding or to, to hear the entirety of last week's lesson. So, um, you may or may not know that these lessons are 
structured as a question and answer format. So I'll just go back over the questions that we looked at last week. And, uh, you know, we'll go through some quick answers. You can jot some things down if you want. But again, I encourage you to go back and listen to last week's episode to hear the entirety of what we covered last week. So the first question was, in vision, Daniel saw a two-horned ram pushing west, north, and south, and conquering every beast he met. And this is according to Daniel 8, verses 3 and 4. Again, Daniel 8, verses 3 and 4. So the, uh, the question is, what does the ram symbolize? Well, uh, Daniel chapter 8, verse 20 says, The ram which you saw having the two horns, they are the kings of Medea, I'm sorry, of uh, Media and Persia, or Media Persia, Media and Persia. So the answer is the ram is a symbol of the former kingdom of Medo Persia, which was also re- uh, represented by the bear of Daniel 7 and 5. So I mentioned last week as well that this particular lesson study is a continuation of a lesson study that we covered many weeks ago. This particular lesson study is lesson number 18, study guide number 18 in our series. But way back in number 15, we focused on Daniel chapter 7. So I encourage you to add Daniel chapter 7 to your reading list. You'll want to read Daniel chapter 7, 8, and 9 at this point. So again, the ram is a symbol of the former kingdom of Medo-Persia, which was also represented by the bear of Daniel 7 and 5. As I said, we covered that already back in um, study guide number 15. The prophecies of the Bible books of Daniel and Revelation follow the principle of repeat and expand. And this simply means that they repeat prophecies covered in earlier chapters of the book and enlarge upon them. This approach brings clarity and certainty to Bible prophecies. So once again, the ram represents Medo-Persia. Number two, what striking animal did Daniel see next? The Bible says in Daniel 8, verses 21 and 22, it says the male goat is the kingdom of Greece. The large horn that is between its eyes is the first king. As for the broken horn and the four that stood up in its place, four kingdoms shall arise out of that nation. So the simple answer is that the goat symbolizes Greece. We just said that what? The ram represents Medo-Persia. Now we're saying that the goat symbolizes Greece. Here's the answer or the expanded version of the answer. Next, in Daniel's vision, a male goat with one huge horn appeared, traveling at great speed. He attacked and conquered the ram. Then the great horn was broken off and four horns arose in its place. The male goat symbolizes the third kingdom of Greece. There it is again. The male goat symbolizes the third kingdom of Greece. And the huge horn symbolizes Alexander the Great. The four horns that replaced the great horn represents the four kingdoms into which Alexander's empire was divided. In Daniel 7 verse 6, these four kingdoms were represented by the four heads of the leopard beast, which also symbolized Greece. These symbols 
were so fitting that it is easy to identify them in history. Again, the goat symbolizes what? Greece. As I mentioned a few moments ago, what we're covering right now or what we will be covering moving forward through this particular lesson study, we've already covered way back in lesson number 15. And if you're really interested in going back and uh, scrolling back and finding uh, those uh, lessons, um, uh, I, I believe, I can't remember exactly, but I think we, uh, we broke it up into probably four or five parts. Just scroll back and look for who is the Antichrist. That's the lesson series you're going to want to look for. Look for who is the Antichrist and look for all those different parts where we covered um, Alexander the Great, we covered the, the kingdoms and so forth and so on. Again, that particular lesson study, who is the Antichrist, is based on Daniel chapter 7. All right, let's move forward through this, um, this uh, quick review. According to Daniel 8, verses 8 and 9, a little horn power arose next. What does the little horn represent? So that's the main question. What does the little horn represent? Answer, the little horn represents Rome. Some have suggested that it, suggested that it represents Antiochus, um, Antiochus Epiphanes, a Seleucid king who ruled over Palestine in the second century before Christ and who disrupted the Jewish worship services. Others, including, the, in, including most leaders of the Reformation, have believed that the little horn represents Rome in both its pagan and papal forms. I'm going to leave it there. There's more to the answer, but I'm just going to leave it there. Again, please scroll back to last week's episode of Right on Time, and you'll get more detail on that. But according to Daniel 8, verses 8 and 9, a little horn power arose next. What does the little horn represent? Simply, the little horn represents Rome. I'll leave it there. The little horn represents Rome. All right, let's move through to our next one. Um, okay, yes. Okay, just one other note. The little horn of Daniel chapter 8 represents Rome, as I just said, in both its pagan and papal stages. So the little horn of the last days, the little horn of the last days is the papacy. Again, friend, um, I can go so much deeper into this, but I'm just going to just keep encouraging you to go back, scroll all the way back, and find our series entitled, Who is the Antichrist? And you will better understand why we are talking about Rome, why we are talking about the papacy. We covered all that back under the lesson series, Who is the Antichrist? All right, let's move forward with today's lesson study with the material that we're going to uh, cover today. We have made our way to... Uh, question number four. And question number four says, Daniel 8 informs us that this little horn power would also destroy many of God's people. According to Daniel 8, verses 10, 24, and 25, and cast truth to the ground, according to, according to verse 12. When asked how long God's people in heavenly sanctuary would be trodden underfoot, what was heavenly's what was heaven's reply? Again, when asked how long God's people and heavenly sanctuary would be trodden underfoot, what was the heavens what was heaven's reply? 
This is what Daniel chapter 8, verse 14 says. He said unto me, For 2,300 days, then the sanctuary will be cleansed. Now, friend, as we move forward, uh, we're going to be, uh, I'm going to be sharing a, a lot of numbers and uh, calculations with you. And uh, I'll try not to rush through it because this is where many people get tripped up. This is why many people do not want to study the book of Revelation and Daniel. And as I said, when it comes to Bible prophecy, we should study Daniel and Revelation. But many people don't want to study, don't want to take a look at Revelation because they are, they're intimidated by the symbolism and, you know, the numbers and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So I want to make sure that you all understand this uh, this material that we're going to go through over the next several weeks. So I'll try not to speak too quickly, speak too fast. I'll try to slow down and give you time to, you know, to jot some notes and things of that nature. Okay. Again, Daniel 8 and 14. He said unto me for 2,300 days or 2,300 days, then the sanctuary will be cleansed. And that's according to Daniel, to Daniel 8 and 14. So let me just jump back to the question. When asked, when asked how long God's people and heavenly sanctuary would be trodden underfoot, what was heaven's reply? Let me stop there. Pertaining to the heavenly sanctuary. See, we, we're actually building upon previous lessons. We've already covered the heavenly sanctuary. We, well, we covered the sanctuary in the last series of studies called God Drew the Plans. So, friend, if this is your first time joining us here on Eyes on Prophecy, I really encourage you at this point to go back, go all the way back to Who is the Antichrist? Start with that lesson series and make your way forward. You're going to want to go through Who is the Antichrist? Angel Messages from Space, God Drew the Plans. We are right now working on the lesson study. We're going through a series of studies called Right on Time. So I think that it behooves you to go back and listen to the previous episodes on those other lesson studies. Again, Who is the Antichrist? Angel Messages from Space, God Drew the Plans to Understand some or all of what we're going to be talking about today and moving forward over the next uh, couple weeks or so. So again, when asked how long God's people and heavenly sanctuary would be trodden underfoot, what was heaven's reply? I just gave you the Bible verse, Daniel 8 and 14. Here's the answer. Heaven's reply was that the sanctuary in heaven would be cleansed after 2300 prophetic days, which is 2,300 literal years. We said way back that um, in Bible prophecy, um, a prophetic day or one day is equal to one year or the day for year. So again, one prophetic day is equal to one literal year in Bible prophecy. So uh, pertaining to this particular question and answer, I'll, I'll repeat what I just said. It says, Heaven's reply was that the sanctuary in heaven would be cleansed after 2,300 prophetic days, which is 2,300 literal years. 
Remember, in Bible prophecy, there is a day for a year principle. I just said that. I'll repeat that again. In Bible prophecy, there is a day for a year principle. You can read in your Bibles, Ezekiel 4 and 6, and Numbers uh, 14, verse 34, to get a, a better understanding from the Bible about the day for a year principle. We have already learned that the cleansing of the earthly sanctuary took place on the Day of Atonement in ancient Israel. On that day, God's people were clearly identified as His, and the record of their sins was removed. Those who clung to sin were cut off forever from Israel. Thus the camp was cleansed from sin. Here heaven was assuring Daniel that sin and the little horn power would not continue to prosper, control the world, and persecute God's people endlessly. Instead, in 2300 years, God would step in with the heavenly day of atonement, or judgment, when sin and unrepentant sinners would be identified and later removed from the universe forever. So friend, there's going to come a time where sin and sinners will be wiped off off the face of the earth will be removed from the universe forever as i've said many times on this podcast and if you've been following this ministry on our other platforms you may have heard me say that sin will have no place in heaven there are many uh believers who feel that well you know god loves me Um, no matter what I do, yes, he loves all of us, but he will not take sin to heaven. He will not allow sin to enter heaven. Through the power of the indwelling Christ, we have to get victory over sin so that we can go to heaven. In other words, many of us are presuming, it's something called a presumptuous sin where we presume that Regardless of the lifestyle we're living or whatever sin we are attached to, we're still going to heaven anyway. No, we're not. God will not take us into heaven with sin, with a spot or stain on our characters. That's for another lesson. That's for another sermon. But I'm just trying to get you to understand that there's going to come a time where sin and sinners, unrepentant sinners, I should say, unrepentant sinners, as it said here, when sin and unrepentant sinners would be identified and later removed from the universe forever. Thus, the universe will be cleansed from sin. The wrongs against God's people will at long last be righted, and the peace and harmony of Eden will once again fill the universe. God's plan of salvation, in a nutshell, is to restore the earth back to Edenic conditions. In other words, as it was in the Garden of Eden, before sin entered the world, God's plan of salvation is to restore the earth back to the way it was in the Garden of Eden. That's for a whole nother lesson as well. That's for a whole nother sermon. But that is God's plan of salvation in a nutshell. So, that is the answer to number four. Let's move on to number five. I think we have time for one more. As I said, I did not want to rush through this. 
Um, so we're going to get into one more question. We'll touch on this question and then we'll close out for this week. What urgent point did the angel Gabriel repeatedly stress? What urgent point did the agent, I'm sorry, did the angel Gabriel repeatedly stress? According to Daniel 8, 17, 19, and 26, the Bible says, Understand, son of man, that the vision refers to the time of the end. I am making known to you what shall happen in the latter time of the indignation. Therefore, seal up the vision, for it refers to many days in the future. Answer. Gabriel asserted that the 2300-year vision involved events in the end time, which began in 1798. As we learned, as I said, we've already learned back um, when we studied who is the Antichrist. Again, Gabriel asserted that the 2300-year vision involved events in the end time, which began in 1798. The angel wanted us to understand that the 2300-year prophecy is a message that applies primarily to all of us who are living at the end of Earth's history. It has special meaning for us today. Now, let me just give you an introduction to Daniel chapter 9. I've already said that you should read uh, Daniel chapter 8 and Daniel chapter 9 to help you to better understand God's word, of course, but to understand what we're covering in this particular series of lessons. All right. Um, or I should say in this particular lesson study, which we're stretching out over several weeks. So here's the introduction to Daniel chapter 9. Just to give you a basic idea of what you're going to be reading in Daniel chapter 9. After Daniel's vision of chapter 8, the angel Gabriel came and began explaining the vision to him. When Gabriel reached the point of the 2300 days, Daniel collapsed and was ill for some time. He regained his strength and resumed doing the king's business, but was much concerned regarding the unexplained portion of the vision, the 2300 days, that is. Daniel prayed earnestly for his people, the Jews who were in captivity in Medo-Persia. He confessed his sins and pleaded with God to forgive his people. Daniel 9 begins with the prophet's earnest prayer of confession and appeal to God. So, um, before we move further with this particular lesson study, I ask you to read Daniel chapter 9. As a matter of fact, uh, between now and next week, by God's grace, when we come together, please read Daniel chapter 9. So, if, you've, if you haven't already, please read. I'll just say, once again, please read through chapter 8 and chapter 9. That's your homework assignment, to read Daniel chapter 8 and Daniel chapter 9. And next week, by God's grace, when we come back together, we'll continue through our lesson study. Amen? Let us pray. Loving Father, thank you so much for this lesson study today. Thank you so much for what you've shown us, for what you've taught us today. Help us to continue studying your word diligently on our own. We pray that nothing will come between uh, us 
in you and uh, gaining a clear understanding of your word. Thank you so much. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Friend, thank you so much for joining me once again for Eyes on Prophecy here on the podcast. I pray that you have a blessed weekend, a, a blessed Sabbath day. Please, please, please study on your own. Review these episodes. Go back. Uh, go way back if need be to when we started um, Who is the Antichrist and move forward between now and next week. Um, God has so much more that he needs to teach us about Bible prophecy. There's many more lesson studies we're going to go through. Um, so by God's grace, may we come together next week, same time, same station, right here on the podcast for Eyes on Prophecy. 7 a.m. Eastern Time, um, Sabbath morning or Saturday morning. So be blessed. May the Lord be with you. Take care.